Hello, how about uh, how about I give you some love money? Some some what? Ma- love money. Oh, I don't know. I I'm, I feel uncomfortable already. It's a it's a private equity investment. What do you what do you think I meant? Ah, oh, oh of course, of course, private equity. Yes, uh, I knew I I know what that is. Um, sort sort of. Well, then let's do an episode on it so that we really know all about it. Um, about love money. We'll get to love money, but we'll cover all of uh, private equity. Maybe there's other kinds beyond just the love. But we want everyone to feel the love, and we want to feel the love too. Yes, and the way do. to show it to us is... By subscribing subscribe. to our podcast, yes. Mm-hmm. So subscribe to a Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank. You can do it on, on Spotify, on, on Acast, on iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also rate us and review us. And um, if you're listening to this after September, you can also subscribe to a new podcast that we have, which is called Future Europe. That's all about the love we have for Europe, which is that we've got 28 projects, one in each of the EU countries. Uh, Each one tells you something about what the future is going to be like, what your future is going to be like. So listen into that, subscribe to that, and find out what the future is going to be like. But meanwhile today, uh, a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank on private equity. Private equity, that's what we're getting into today on a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank. And we have three experts on all different kinds of private equity here. So you'll get the whole range of it. Uh, Let's introduce you to Alain Touchard-Ledrian, who is Senior Investment Officer at the Global Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Fund, which from now on we're going to just call GREF, uh, at the European Investment Bank. We also have Christine Panier, who is uh, head of lower and mid-market investments at the uh, for Western Europe. I just have to make sure that I get the whole title <laughs> correct there uh, in the equity investments area of the European Investment Fund. And also we have Paola Rabacchioli, who is senior investment officer in the equity unit at the European Investment Bank. So equity involved in everything there and lots of investment. So clearly the titles tell us uh, that we've got the right people. But we also always like to have something a little surprising that tells you all about the people who are here. And in the case of Ale, investment is kind of a marathon, isn't it? How do you train for investments? Is that perhaps by running marathons? Indeed. Wasn't that smooth? You like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, you, I learned a lot by, uh, by uh, running long distances because indeed actually it's more about, uh, it's less about physical uh, effort and than, uh, than a, mental, uh, a mental race when you, when you run such distances. So that, that it's true that there's a lot to, to, to see between, or there's a lot of connection between running, uh, running marathons and trying to, to do a private equity investment at the AB. Uh-huh. And if you don't do it right, you can get hurt. That's the other thing about it. Maybe that's a parallel too. Paula, when you need to, you know, take a break, do you run? Uh, no, not at all. After 20 years in the EIB, I needed a break, so I took a sabbatical and went to work in a circus. Wow. <laughs> you were a, what, you were a clown or a... 
Um, yes, always. But uh, no, I was working in the management. And since the circus was an SME, a small uh, enterprise, medium enterprise, uh, I thought it was interesting to, to, after investing in small enterprises uh, for, for so many years, to go on the other side of the mirror and uh, and uh, see how it is to, to actually be in the in in an enterprise that is growing and manage this growth well the stereotype of the the circus management is that it's all done with a whip right yeah. is that that's <laughs> how it still is or no this was a spin-off of Cirque du Soleil oh, wow. so okay. it was like more than an entertaining company but we still put up one of our shows it was under a, a tent sure. and it was in Abu Dhabi so we had uh, all kind of uh, artists and it was really a, a circus show Oh wow! Were there any elephants or any large animals no, involved? No, no. We had horse horses, and then we had a falcon. Hmm. Oh, yeah, because okay. it was for the Sheikh of Abu Dhabi. So, so you probably had to have a vet around, Christine. <laughs> they could have hired you, I gather. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, I initially, very early in my uh, in my training history, I, I trained as a vet actually. So, I uh, graduated, and then I worked a little bit as a vet mainly for big animals, actually. And then I moved to pharmaceutical industry, etc. And uh, in the end, ended up at uh, TIF. Well, I don't think it's such a stretch. I and mean, we had an episode on circular economy recently where we had a duck on the show. Mm. Uh, to, our, to our listeners, uh, go back and check out the duck. The duck was very eloquent and uh, told us a lot about the circular economy. But going back to your title, uh, and maybe this helps us get into the subject of today's episode, What's lower and mid-market? What's the lower market? What's the mid-market? Okay. So maybe it's worth explaining that private equity uh, nowadays covers a lot of uh, different activities. Um, and it's all linked uh, basically about the size and the cycle of the companies. So to make it simple, we have uh, venture capital, which I think uh, Paola will explain in detail mm -hmm. later. And you have... Uh, let's say, gross expansion and LBO, uh, which is, again, divided into lower mid-market. So basically, companies, let's say, uh, uh, with an enterprise value, which is um, 100, 300 million and large, uh, large caps or large mid-caps. Okay, so you mentioned several things. What's the LBO? So LBO is uh, the initial, uh, th that was the first private equity investment, I think, we, which was really uh, as an industry. Uh, LBO means uh, leverage buyout. So it means buying the majority of the company using some leverage, so some debt, mm -hmm. basically, uh, to transfer the, the, the ownership of the company and to, uh, to, to, to transfer, basically, uh, the, uh, uh, the activity to make it grow uh, through debt and through equity. So that's why it's, uh, it's a mix of equity and debt. Mm -hmm. And how do you, uh, you, you, you mentioned that these sizes, the, the, the lower market and the mid market, it's, it's calculated, it's determined by the size, by the value of the company, the right. enterprise value. Mm -hmm. how, how do, can you, can you give us a, a, a very um, simple explanation of how enterprise value is determined? So it's a, then it's a global valuation, of course, and it takes many things into account. But basically, it takes uh, mainly the, uh, the financial uh, data of the company. So turnover, um, margins, what we use most of the time is called EBITDA. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, this is this is a, a measurement of the profitability of the company, which is then multiplied by uh, a certain multiple, which we actually take most of the time from the from the, the the public companies as well. So we multiply EBITDA by this multiple, and we take out all the debt of the company, which means that it's the value, uh, the intrinsic value of the company mm-hmm. without debt, mm-hmm. and this is the the metric we use to uh, to, to uh, evaluate a company. So basically, you use you. you, you take into account that the different companies in different sectors have different multiples yeah and and so you look at the public uh, public listings and you, you look at for for example pharmaceutical companies and they, you see that the uh, companies with a certain EBITDA have a valuation on the market of five times that voilà, EBITDA exactly. and then mm. you say oh there's a private pharmaceutical company and you do the same multiple for that one. Yeah. So it's uh, that that's the first uh, measurement. Then afterwards, it takes into account also the, the growth perspective of the company, of course. So a company which is very stable would have a multiple all equal and uh, would have a multiple which is lower than a company which has uh, shown a very strong growth in the future. We also use sometimes what we call discounted cash flows, which is, again, looking at the future instead of making a photo of the company at one point. So uh, estimating what are the cash flows of the companies which will be generating in the future, discounted because of the risk of these cash flows and discounted about the, the time as well. And that's another measurement of the companies as well. We've mentioned that companies or private equity referring to publicly traded equities. What's, what's the difference between private equity and the kind of equity that's traded on a public exchange where you can see the price and you can go in and buy it. What's the difference? Private equity refers to, I mean, it, it's private because it's non-listed. So it's investment is not a non-listed entity and equity refers to um, a, a, te- a stake in the ownership of the company. So when, when you invest in private equity, you become the shareholder of a company. And that's why, I mean, to me, it's a very powerful and interesting financial instrument compared to debt, because it's not only about providing capital to a company, it's also about uh, value creation. Because when you become an investor in a company or in a fund, you play a role in the governance of, uh, of, of that businesses, and hence you, you, you can influence the, um, the, the, the businesses itself and, and play a real uh, uh, end-on role in, in that company. Now, it seems to me that from an from investor perspective, private equity is very attractive because you see that, oh, here's a company that no one else has access to, the public doesn't have access to yet, no one has discovered it yet, and I'm the first one I get to buy it for a for for a cheap price, maybe, and I get to benefit from the upside. But what's the benefit for the company? Why don't Why don't the company just Why don't they go public? Yeah, it it really depends uh, on the the stage of 
big company. At the very, all, I mean, very beginning, when, when the company starts, usually they do not generate enough revenue or, or, or not even a positive net return to be able to get some financing through debt or, or to get listed. Um, and that's why at that specific moment in time, uh, getting some equity is something that the, the businesses are, are, are looking for. Uh, and having said that, it's, it's, it's the positive is that they, they can receive some equity. On the other hand, they have to accept to be diluted and to have within the, the capital other investors. So you have to find the, the proper balance. And, and once the businesses grow and get enough and generate revenue, they can then get access to, to finance through, mm -hmm. through, through banks or, and, and then getting, uh, opening the, the capital to, uh, to public market. So this is venture capital, right? Is venture capital the same thing as private equity? So um, venture capital is, uh, is a kind of private equity in the sense that what we usually designate by venture capital is investments in tech-enabled company uh, startups and, and uh, SMEs, but it, it's companies who have a competitive advantage and the DNA of fast growth. That's where a venture capitalist will get in because they're getting into a very early stage of the company. So this early stage has to um, is risk intrinsically risky to get in in the early stage, and so the return perspective has to be high since you're taking a high risk. And in, in order to be high, you need to have a company that is disrupting an industry or a market, and that thus has a competitive advantage, which will allow it to grow uh, to, to interesting levels. So venture capital is early stage tech. Innovation, that's mm -hmm. that's a bit the, the, the elements that define uh, mm -hmm. the... But you can have, um, when you look at the whole venture, venture capital value chain, you, you go from pre-seed, seed, early stage investments, but then you have also venture capital funds that invest in uh, tech-enabled, innovative or deep tech companies that are growing. So you have the growth and then the, the later stage as well. So it's a whole chain. I like that phrase though. What's deep tech? Deep tech, as compared to tech-enabled, you have uh, we, we see this, uh, for example, a lot uh, since we invest in emerging markets in Africa and the Middle East. Mostly in the beginning, when we started investing uh, 20 years ago in venture capital funds, the companies that came up, the startups that came up at that time, were using a technology developed uh, elsewhere, usually in Silicon Valley or, or also in Europe, and they were like uh, copying, using this technology and uh, to open up uh, new, new markets, find new solutions to existing problems. Uh, now, what we see, which I find really interesting, is that innovation is coming from this emerging market as well as from more developed market. So deep tech, uh, I'm looking for the moment at a deep tech fund that wants to be set up in Tunisia. And what are they doing? They, they have very good engineers that cost much less than in Europe or in the States. And they are going to take tough problems and have an R&D center in Tunisia and develop a solution that they will afterwards sell to the big uh, tech companies in the, in the valley, the mm -hmm. big uh, Googles and, and uh, um, Apple and what, what have you of this world. And this is interesting because uh, we see now that 
this kind of innovation, which is homegrown, is going to be available also, uh, made available everywhere. So uh, we like that. So much. if there's one or if there's a few companies like that in the same place, is that, is that an incubator? No. What's an incubator? An incubator is, um, uh, th- that's usually a public entity, um, which uh, uh, usually it's a space. Incubators, their business model is based on real estate. So there is probably, it's a space in a university or in a research center, business park, what have you. And it's, um, it rents out space to companies. It can be uh, startups. It can be companies that are already in a later stage or on a more advanced stage. And uh, the the way an incubator uh, generates its revenues, it's by renting out the space. So that's an incubator. Now, often one uses the word incubator to designate an accelerator. And that's something different. And, and in venture capital is more the accelerators that we look at because the accelerator, it is, um, it, 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 it is a program, uh, usually private, incubators are usually public, which and, and the accelerator, they, 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 they have a big selection at the beginning when they select the startups, where there's the incubator. If you go and you pay, you can, you can be there. They select companies that they bring through uh, programs of training, business or, or tech training. They give them an open lab kind of space. They don't pay for the space, by the way. And the, the business model of the accelerator is to take equity, pre-seed and seed which means very early on they invest in an idea in a small team that has an idea and develops a business model and then little by little develops a product and uh, they hope to be able to spray and then pray that one of these companies will become really successful. So that's another model. Now, How do you get out of private equity? If, you, if you've invested and there is no public market, is the, is the only way to, to exit that investment, is it by when, when the company finally becomes public? Public, uh, public exits uh, one way, of course, uh, for the largest, uh, the largest companies. It's really an exit which is, which is realistic for companies with a certain volume uh, so that it is interesting for the public investors. So most of the time uh, in the lower mean market, uh, it's more... The exit is either to another company, so what we call trade sale. So uh, the company is sold to a larger company and makes a merger and a bigger group. It can be sold also to the management again, um, through mezzanine especially. And uh, it can also be uh, sold to another private equity player, because now the industry is so large that you have different size of funds, different um, investment strategies. The, uh, and you can also uh, sell a company two, three times to another private equity player who will take care of the company in a different way, develop another aspect of the company, etc. So a second or third uh, growth path. But it's less liquid than a, a public market. Oh, it's, it's, it, it, uh, it takes in, some time to get rid of what you own if you want to, get, if you want to sell it's it. It's completely illiquid as, as a principle. So most of the time you have to sell 100% of the company. Sometimes you find investors for a, a stake of the company. But in the end, there is no market where you can go and say, well, uh, I will send my companies and, and that's it. So you have to really uh, sell the company when it has reached a certain stage of, uh, of maturity. You sell, The fund itself sells the company 
to another fund, to a trade buyer, etc., etc. The other way to do it, if you are an investor in a fund, then you can do what uh, what is called secondary, which means that there is also a market, but it's again a market which is not organized uh, publicly, which you can sell your shares of a fund as well that exists and it's actually quite active as a market as well. So it's of course illiquid and most of the time you have to take, uh, in case you sell uh, stakes of the funds, sometimes you have to take a discount to make the, the transaction attractive for a new buyer. Mm. Just to add to that, in terms of liquidity, it's true that you have lots of difference between developed market where you have an active uh, market for, for exits and developing markets such as Africa where it takes more time to exit and what the, the most likely scenario is a buyback buy of shares by the, the management. And maybe on, on that point, it's true that exit is the ultimate step of, of private equity. You exit from the investment. And that's where it, it really differs from a, from a debt financing. And that's, it's important to, to, to highlight in terms of logic. In, in debt financing, you receive your, your, your annual coupon or your steady cash flows, while In, when you invest in private equity, it's more risky. You may just lose everything. You may also capture largest uh, or stronger upside. Um, and again, it's all about value creation. But when, when you sign, I mean, when you sign a credit agreement, your job is, n is done as an investment officer. When you sign your, your shareholder agreement, when you invest in equity, that's when the job really starts because you get involved in the governance of the company. You're seeking to create value up to the exit to realize your return. So the mindset, I think, is very different from uh, debt financing. And if I may, this is a, an extremely important point, especially also for venture capital, where a, a lot of companies don't rev generate a revenue, so they couldn't pay back a loan. Mm -hmm. So they need equity. You were asking before, why would an entrepreneur uh, or a founder of a company take on equity as an instrument? Because... Uh, That's the only uh, financing that they can take on, uh, unless they take a grant or a donation, mm -hmm. because the company does not allow to pay back a loan. Uh, mm -hmm. So We mentioned mezzanine. Can uh, any of you define what mezzanine capital is? So mezzanine is, uh, as the name states for, is something in between. So uh, it's, some, it's a product which is between pure debt, which is amortizable and gives interest all the time, and equity, which is, uh, as I explained, uh, full risk and no liquidity, uh, except you have mm -hmm. to generate your own, your own liquidity. Mezzanine is in between, so it's, uh, it's still a debt. So it means that at a certain point it will be reimbursed, Most of the time, it's not amortizable, so it means that it's reimbursed at the end. So in terms of cash flow profile, it's a bit closer to equity. And, <clears throat> and you get interest rate, which is normally higher than what you get from a pure senior debt because the risk is higher. And uh, it's also uh, generating some uh, equity upside uh, because you have uh, warrants to the company. So basically, in terms of risk, it's intermediate between debt and equity. And it's also in terms of return. Uh, due to the components which are partly debt, partly equity, you also have a return which is in between. And, and I think if may is that that's when also uh, engineering finance becomes interesting because you can, th there is this trade equity, but you have also all this set of quasi-equity products whereby you can basically tailor your, your financial instruments um, in, as regards compared to, to the risk 
of the business. For instance, you have a preference share, you can take a convertible loan. So you start with a loan for a company um, uh, when, which might be very risky. And if you see the upside, you will convert it into shares in the businesses. So you can, you can use all these set in, of instruments uh, based on the profile of the uh, businesses. Uh, Christine, the biggest market for private equity is the United States. And I believe that's followed by the United Kingdom. But in the rest of Europe, what's what's the private equity market like? Is it growing? Is it not as big as it needs to be? How can we characterize it? Depends on the probably on, on the category of private equity you are talking about. Uh, in continental Europe, it's actually quite developed in many countries: France, uh, Benelux, Germany, Nordics, Spain, Italy. Uh, it's very developed. Uh, IIF is, of, of course, interested in developing in other countries which are less developed. Uh, again, to, to create this market because it's very important for small companies, high-growth companies who don't have access to, uh, to debt immediately. So it's, uh, it's actually a very important uh, product for developing economy as a, as a whole. Um, but uh, I would say venture capital is still underdeveloped probably all over Europe except UK. Uh, and uh, everything which is lower in market as well. Large LBOs, you, there is a lot of funds and it's very established market. So I think uh, uh, it's, um, there, there are not so many companies which could be financed on top of the ones which are financed today. I think for, for the lower in market and for the, all the VC activities, uh, there could be much more, uh, uh, much more activity and uh, that would benefit the whole European economy, I would say. I want to go back to the convertible loans. Uh, you, you mentioned that the, the, there's a possible there's a possibility to convert the loan into a an equity stake in the in the company. Is is that is that preconditioned in the in the initial agreement? What what has to happen for for the conversion to take place, or who decides? Because there might be a, a difference of interest with between the in, investor and the company whether that loan is converted or not. No, exactly. That, that, that's a very good point because indeed you, you, it's a discussion that you have uh, and you need to have between the investors and the management at the very early on. I mean, before doing the investment to ensure that you have, um, if, if you're not in line, uh, line in terms of interest, at least you agree on, on exit scenario. So you decide, typically, for instance, an investor will, will decide <coughs> to invest in, uh, in a convertible loan to avoid having Having a too large stake in a very small businesses, which is just start starting, um, so they will they will just provide this this loan, and based on specific milestone, for instance, that might trigger the conversion into equity stake, and that has to be agreed early on and spelled out in what is called the shareholder agreement, which is a key legal document where you have all the the agreements between the investors mm-hmm. and the management. So, uh, and that that's something that. Tri- triggers it this is uh, if a company does well then it becomes an equity stake exactly you can agree you can agree on it can be after three years it can you can decide to to buy the share it can be specific milestone when the company has achieved a specific level of sales and so it, you, it's it's really up to the management and the investors to agree upon the specific um, trigger events mm-hmm. Paula um, private equity does not depend on this this huge infrastructure that, uh, let's say, the New York Stock Exchange has and all these other publicly traded places, does that mean that it's actually a very important thing for development in countries where 
there might not be that kind of infrastructure? Absolutely. Uh, private equity venture capital is, in my point of view, it's a very, very important um, ingredient for development because it will allow... Uh, especially venture capital, uh, young generations who have inherited enormous problems to be able to set up a company and be able to get financing for setting up a company to develop new solutions to all these problems they have inherited in the Middle East, in Africa, etc. And we see so much talent. We see such a talented generation of young people and the fact of being able to enable them is, 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 I think it's a great, great developmental tool that we use a lot. And, and if I may on that, we, we mentioned the development of the private equity market initially in the US, then in Europe. But in developing an emerging market, it's developing a lot too. It's a way, it's, it's, it's very often for investor diversification um, investment. And it's true that public institutions like the IB have played an incremental role in the development of this market by backing and uh, sponsoring the first private equity team in that market, they have allowed to develop and create an, an ecosystem. And you see now very, I mean, lots of local private equity teams, which means that the market is developing by itself. And, and that's very, uh, very positive. And we've discussed a lot the, the, the early stage companies who, who do private equity simply because they, they don't have access to either bank loans or they don't have access to becoming part of the public market yet. But it seems to me that there are, there are there are companies that are well-founded already, um, quite large, and they still prefer to remain private. Yeah, I think it's mainly linked to the constraints which are uh, inherent to, to public markets in terms of reporting, in terms of, uh, for example, complying with a, a certain growth quarter by quarter. While a company who buys, uh, which buys uh, another company, for example, at a certain point, they might see a decrease in their uh, in their margins because they have to integrate the company or they have to invest massively into restructurations or into new marketing, into development of new product, buying uh, or establishing new uh, new warehouses, uh, new factories, etc. So you might have a phase where the com the, um, the margins of the company decrease. And of course, uh, in public markets, it's immediately uh, uh, converting, converted into a decrease in the, in the stock, uh, but stock the, price. But so, so the private investors, they're more patient, they're more understanding, they're more professional investors in that yeah, sense. Yeah, normally it's much more professional investors. So the, the business plan is discussed with the fund, especially if the fund is majority investor. So uh, the, the fund itself agrees that uh, at a certain point they, they might uh, they might have a flat uh, a flat margin so as to afterwards develop uh, develop the company uh, uh, conquer new markets etc so it's uh, it's it's a bit uh, more uh, mid-term compared to stock markets which are normally very short term and maybe to come back to the point of uh, the mindset uh, private equity Required, I think, specific skill set uh, compared to pure debt financing, including not beyond all the financial skill set, the legal skill set. There's a lot of, of human uh, uh, relationship skill set you have to ensure that you can connect with the management and build this relation because it, it, at the end, it's all about agreeing on a vision for a, a, a company. And for especially for, for instance, for family run businesses where 
who are not very keen to open the, the capital to um, to investors. You, you you need to ensure that that you can get this connection with them to. Uh, now you said that the, the private equity sphere is for more professional investors, but if a, if someone like me, clearly a non-professional, wants to invest into private equity, is there a way for me to get a piece of that action? It's um it's always possible, but uh, normally it's really a market which is for uh, relatively big investors, very professional investors. But aren't there uh, some, some funds, maybe something to... Uh, Resale funds. Oh, yeah. there, there is also love money if a friend of you is creating a startup. And in uh, addition to that, to, to, to is that, that today... love money? <laughs> love yeah. money. Uh, that's, that's the official financial <laughs> phrase. <laughs> Indeed. That's also the title of this podcast. I Definitely. It, I thought it was called the I, stupid money or something. No, 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 no. Three Fs. The three Fs. Friends, family, and fools. Fools, yes. And, but okay. but in ah. addition to that, there are also what we call crowdfunding, which is more and more developing, whereby uh, you can just, uh, as an individual, uh, invest in a business through just a platform yes. uh, and that connect directly the, the two. Yes, yes. So it's more and more developing. Well, fantastic. Uh, Agle, Christine, and Paula, thank you so much for telling us all about this. I'm, I'm very happy to end with the love. And, uh, you know, I, I really was interested in what you were saying about the development because we have uh, iTunes tells us that we have listeners all over Africa and Asia. So uh, we're huge in Mongolia. We're, we're, we're the kings of Cote d'Ivoire, apparently. I don't know if you've looked at the, I haven't. the stats lately. Yeah, we're huge in Cote d'Ivoire. So oh, shout, shout out. To, shout out, yeah. Yeah. Um, so don't forget to subscribe if you don't already subscribe to this uh, and you can let us know if you have other questions or if you just want to tell us how much you love us um, I'm at EIB Matt EIB M-A-T-T on Twitter and, and I'm at Alar Tankler A-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R and we'll be back next week with more fascinating financial stuff on a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank